Welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I'm Braden Dollar Coltman. I am joined by Jordan Dollar Coltman. And returning to our show, we have Tyler Walzak. Welcome back to the show, buddy. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thank you. After the weekend, I had to come back on. There's, there's, we had to get your it's, thoughts. It's, uh, yeah, I've been waiting for this this whole night for five five days now. <laughs> right on, right on. I know Jordan was absolutely incensed. We talked uh, at length about it on our other show, the Hattrick Sports Podcast. Jordan, how are you doing? Have you have you simmered down? Or are you still revved up? I think I have like it comes and goes in waves. I've definitely <laughs> like uh, for the most part, I think I've moved on. I've just accepted that the world is an unfair and unjust place <laughs> but the world or the uh, fia rules no the world it comes and goes like every once in a while on instagram when all of a sudden you see like the prize giving at night and you're just like fuck this isn't this isn't right and i don't know if you saw tonight uh but they like mercedes officially announced today and i know i'm kind of jumping the gun here we'll get into last race but mercedes officially announced they were like dropping their formal appeal and kind of dropping all of their legal action to try to like finally get the right result but then they released what looks like a hostage video of Toto Wolf and he's sitting kind of like we are right now in like a zoom call with like a blank backdrop but he's wearing a black turtleneck and that's it and he looks like either a Bond villain or like he's been captured by a Bond villain it's very very Eastern European and very funny maybe he's been caught by Lawrence Stroll let's get going Okay, well, we had some very steep uh, expectations. Would you say, Tyler, that your predictions uh, met your expectations? <laughs> I mean, I'm all, I already know your answer to this. You were not satisfied. But I know there's one thing you were satisfied about, and that's Pierre Gasly's finish. Yes. I mean, sort of and also no, because <laughs> I'm so incensed with what happened in the overall like race that for three days, I was no longer a Formula One fan. Okay. For three days, I was like, this is this to me, it doesn't make any sense. There's three or four different ways they could have ended this race under the rules of the FIA that would have been if they wanted a finishing race. So, like, I get that nobody wants to finish under a safety car. I understand that. But there's two options to do if that's the choice. Don't let the, don't let the cars get un, unlapped themselves. If you want a finishing race, just have the race go with those three or four cars between the two racers. Or if you really want a competition, call a red flag. And then let's do one lap. Both, both teams get to choose their tires and let's go. But I, I honestly, until I listened to your guys' hat trick podcast um, two nights ago or last night, and I was calm. I was calm before I listened to what you guys were talking about. And I, Elliot, I don't know you but I don't know what you think you're talking about. You incensed me to think that if you want that type of ending, go watch the WWE. That is what that was. It was a scripted ending to have like all, it reminded me of, I don't know if a lot of people know about the Montreal screw job, which happened like in the nineties when Bret Hart was supposed to leave the WWF with the championship and have this wonderful career. And then without anyone telling him, they Shawn Michaels pinned him and they totally screwed over Bret Hart without him knowing. And it was, this is what that felt like. Like, I, I'm not, like, I don't watch wrestling now, but I know that scenario. There's been a bunch of documentaries about it. And it's like, this was a race that like, it was over. He was 11, 11 or 12 seconds ahead of Verstappen. It was over. Yeah, and, uh, 11 and then ahead. when they said, okay, well, yeah, 11 seconds ahead. And, and so talking to, a Verstappen fan that I know 
who drives me nuts because he's just happy that Verstappen won. And I'm like, I don't know how Verstappen is happy with this outcome. Sure, sure. It, it didn't make any sense. Like it was chosen. He was chosen to be the new winner. And, yeah. and there's so many other things that could have made this a good ending that I was like, I sure drive to survive got me into F1 100%. But I am no longer watching the races in the morning so that I can watch drive to survives next season. Drive to survive is now a secondary factor for, for my entertainment value in F1. And what happened on, I'm getting heated, but what happened on Sunday was it was disappointing to anyone that's an actual fan of the sport. And that, that's frustrating to me because I, if Verstappen came back and won, I, I'd be like sitting here and be like, congrats, like 21, oh, yeah. 22, 23, however old he is. Unbelievable. We are about to see the future. If they can get an engine, because I don't know if they're going to be able to get their engine next year, like just to create your own engine out of nowhere is wild to me. But the, if they like, if they have a car, Verstappen's the guy for the next eight years, and that's awesome. But this is not how he should be starting his his legendary career. And I don't know how he's happy with that. I don't know how FIA and F1 is happy about that. But it's it's just so frustrating because it it was a good race. And and so so going back to the guy I talked to, uh, the Verstappen. Uh, fan is he his only point was well what about if Lewis Hamilton um what if Lewis Hamilton had that he should have had a penalty on that first turn when he took over the lead and he went through the chicane 100% accurate it should have been give that spot back or five second penalty and what I told him was I'm not a Hamilton fan I'm not a Verstappen fan so the outcome of the race doesn't matter to me it's how it was determined that matters so if they Lewis gave that spot back and Verstappen held it until the end of the race and then this happened he would be furious. Oh, they'd all be furious. And, yeah. Yeah. And imagine if Red Bull was on the other side of this. And for the next week, we had to hear uh, Christian Horner and Verstappen talking about this. Like, it's, it, to me, there's just, <laughs> I have to oh. go now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it, right? You watch, you watch uh, in the moment, you can see the frustration, but even Hamilton got out of his car, con- congratulated him. You saw Toto Wolf go over and congratulate the team. No, that is not Toto, not Toto. Well, he shook Verstappen's no, hand to- at the end of the race. No, he didn't. Toto Wolf never left the Mercedes garage or their offices. Oh, so, so it must've been another yeah, constructor really. or another engineer, but Jordan, I'm sure many of the constructor, yeah, the engineer. Let's get in. Let's get into it more here, Jordan. I just want to correct everybody from here on out. It's sir Lewis Hamilton. That's right. I thought they were going to pull a switch on that too. And all of a sudden, for stopping, get knighted instead. So <laughs> Hamilton, not, not the winner of this race, Jordan. What, I mean, what else do you have to say here about this? You, you yeah, said- I feel like I have said a lot of it. I, as I said on the other show, I'm just sad. Like it, it, the whole thing just really disappoints me. You know what I mean? Like I was angry, really angry the day of both of you know, I called both of you. We had long mm-hmm me mostly (laughs) ranting conversations because I was just angry like as a sports fan you know there have been many situations where your team loses or your or like a player you know someone you cheer for loses and it's hard right you come up with all kinds of excuses all kinds of reasons why you blame the refs you blame the whatever the conditions whatever it is um but at this but 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 in the end you can kind of rationalize that and accept that like if you lose under like the normal circumstances of a game, you were beat, your team was swept, whatever it is, it hurts, but you move on. This is different because it doesn't feel like the like laws of 
uh, you know, the sport were followed. The rules we all accepted weren't followed. And they weren't followed at like the highest level of failure, right to the very top of, of how this sport is conducted, right? The reason you have a race director who is responsible for making these decisions is to ensure that all of these teams, all of these drivers are held to a somewhat unified standard. That's the idea in the, in the perf- perfect world. That's the goal, right? Every one of these drivers should be in a position where if they commit the, you know, close to the same type of infraction as some other driver, the same consequences should be there. The race director is supposed to be able to sit on high and make those decisions. And for the most part, to be fair, I think considering how fast a sport it is and how quickly things happen in the sport, I think you have to give some credit to how this sport has been run to suggest that most of the time, even when there's difficult decisions, you, you, you kind of accept that, yeah, they made the best choice they could have. This is the complete opposite. This just feels like a complete breakdown mm-hmm. of how the system is supposed to function. And it's too easy to say it's just Michael Massey, but obviously he's the figurehead and he's at the front of it. So that's a part of it. But the reality is, as Tyler said, it just, it throws such a like negative shadow over what should have been and could have been another great moment in what was already an amazing season. Did both drivers deserve to win going into that last race? Absolutely. They both had amazing stories over the course of the season, whether you're a Max fan, a Lewis fan or neither, like you have to admit it was an amazing season, especially if you have watched in recent years where Mercedes and Lewis has dominated it. It, would I say it's boring? No, I still got excited watching those races, but it, it, it's always kind of tiring when a team goes on like a dynasty style thing and you look for the underdog or somebody else to come up and, and, and take it away from them. But I, but not like this. Right. And that's the thing that's frustrating about it is as, as Tyler said too, like, I, I think in a little while, <laughs> uh, once the like sort of glow of victory wears off and the original energy and excitement, I think it will become more clear that both for Red Bull and Max, it's a bit of a false victory. They won't say that out outwardly, but I'm sure there's that creeping feeling of, I wish I hadn't won it like that. I oh, wish yeah. we'd won it straight up. Um, but they get to live with that. That's, that's theirs. Not, you know, that's not on us. Um, and, but that's what's, that's what, that's where I kind of come down on it now. I'm just, am I mad? Yeah, I guess so. And I would also go back to uh, Tyler. I think teed a lot of things up for me really well here because the other thing for me, about the drive to survive part of this is that he's hundred percent right. We don't want to be watching a reality TV show when we're supposed to be watching a sporting event, right? Yeah. The whole idea of sports is that the stakes are incredibly high because it's a win or lose situation every single time, but also anything could happen. So it has that in common with reality TV. The difference is it should not feel like there is manipulation. And that's what felt is that's what it felt like in the championship. Hundred uh, percent. Right? Not, and that's the other thing. I was trying to find examples in both the, the conversations we had with you and with Hattrick. It was like I couldn't find a championship that was decided this kind of way. You know, we've had like bad calls, or you've had you know big turns in a situation, or you've had a bad call made by a one or the other coach or a team or something. And 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 championships have sometimes come down to weird, you know, weird situations, but never like a blatant what felt like manipulation of a situation and that's for tv it did feel like that and that's the thing about the drive to survive thing is it's like i think there's a there's a curse we talked a lot on the last show about how great drive to survive was for this sport and i still believe that like it draw it drew so many fans into this sport that were not even aware of how exciting it was how interesting it was it did a great job creating characters out of all of these drivers all of these team principles we feel like we know them because you've got these behind the scene looks at them and a lot of sports i think could benefit from that kind of 
experience. The problem is you are also now setting a bar of expectation in terms of what quote unquote, like the TV moment is. And I think people want or expect it. Like how many people responded when you talked to them after this race by saying, well, man, but the, the Netflix series is going to be so good this year. And it's like, that everybody, is not everybody. what the standard should be here, guys. Yeah. Yeah. We should yeah. not be watching, you know, one of the highest, most competitive and most internationally, you know, respected sporting events based on whether or not it'll make for good TV. Netflix I'm sorry, TV. that's yeah, just yeah. not... Not how this should go. Anyway, I'll yeah, leave it And anyone, anyone who says it was a racing finish, it, and even Michael Massey to go, we're racing. How? Where, where do you get a guy that has, like the cars are almost equal. One guy's got tires that have been on one caution lap. The other guy has 40 racing lap tires. 40, yeah. not four. 40 racing lap tires. Yeah. There is no way Hamilton was going to be able to hold them for half the half that lap i think he passed one on turn two or three it was done it wasn't a race at that moment it was and i that's the thing that bugs me is that you can't just say that you can't just say well we wanted them to go racing it's because you didn't you you michael massey know the sport as well as anybody in the world so if you just say if not if not the most yeah Yeah. for you to say we want them to go racing is like that is an asinine comment like it just doesn't it doesn't sit well with me at all give me another reason and then only let four of like the eight or nine lap cars go by at the time that the, you know, the safety car is leaving. Like it's, the whole, it's just so wild. And there's something like I was talking to someone else. And remember when FIFA had, was investigated for how corrupt they were. Yeah. I have a feeling that the FIA is not far behind in someone investigating them based specifically on this decision. And I feel like Massey has to be fired more like before the next season starts. Well, this is something I was curious about when it happened too, because the responsibility, did, it does lie on him and the organization he represents. Is there any chance that the FIA stands and says, we made a mistake? No, no, I don't think they do because like the NFL, like any of these major sporting organizations, they are all about protecting the shield. They're all about protecting the brand. And the reality is that they now have, this has happened. They have to live with, the reality that this has happened and now they have to not only defend it but they have to embrace it as if nothing was wrong because to admit something was wrong is to admit a level of fault that they know is too detrimental to the to their brand and i think that the piece of it that's frustrating is that there will probably be some type of quote unquote internal review of the protocol but if you actually go and read the documents that followed the original um uh, challenge that Mercedes made to the stewards right following the race, like the, 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 the way they followed the protocol of saying, look, we believe there, there were two violations. These are what they are. They lay them out. Uh, if you actually read the response, it becomes very clear that the defense that, the, that, that Formula One made of Michael Massey's decision and, and of the contravening of what those rules are. And we talked about the rule 48, I think of the, of was, was the one concerning how a restart of a safety car was supposed to the procedure that was supposed to be followed. I talked about this on Atric, but what's interesting is the response to why, like to justify why was the protocol not followed was simply stated as the racing director has total authority, basically saying, the racing director can do whatever he wants. Sure. If that's the case, if that's the if that's the defense they want to take, that is a dangerous road to go down because that sets up a precedent that oh, basically yeah. says any of our rules are subject to the interpretation of the racing director on said day. And I don't know, do we and really not, want yeah. to be? Oh. Do we really want to be it now? 
is it that much different than other sports? Do we not have, you know, uh, some type of arbitrary decisions made on player sus- suspensions in the NFL or in the NHL based on certain situations? Sure. But that but doesn't affect in-game. the game. Those in aren't in-game. And the, yeah. I agree. That's what I'm saying. Like, there uh, isn't that kind yeah. of, the, the kind of stakes that are there. So does it change anything? What, <laughs> will it change anything? It, like, will there be a moment where, you know, the, 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 the teams and the players aren't, or the, the racers aren't just going to boycott and say, well, we all no. know this was horseshit. No. Let's yeah. not do this. And we can't, we, you know, the, the sanctity of our sport here is, is jeopardized. We, we, but the fan, but the fans, like even just the conversation we're having right now, something has to give, something has to change from this. Cause we can't, there's just no way that this has, that, that this can happen again. Something has to change, and I don't know what it is. This this was a, a point of contention like 10 years ago in NASCAR when they would be finishing um, their races on caution flags and, and essentially what they call safety cars, and they made it, if there's a safety car within the last two laps, it's clear the track, and then uh, one, basically a formation lap, and then two laps, and you get two laps to, to finish the race. Like sudden death. And it, it, like sudden death, exactly. I don't awesome. know if... It would be awesome, yeah. But on um, on even keel, even keel. That's the other thing. The they they would have right? to they'd have to stop and change their tire selections. Or if there's like a if there if there's a caution, I see that's a, it's a dangerous thing too because excitement of I think it was last year when like one of the first three or five three or five races when Lewis blew his tire on like the second lap on the last lap on like the second yeah. last turn and you see Max coming up to him this whole yeah, thing Silverstone Silverstone like in 2020 yeah. 20, 20. yeah like that's exciting and just living to get there and that's how you first tap and gets his chances so like, you don't really want to get rid of aspects like that because they could have easily just called a yellow caution flag and then have Lewis change his tires but it's it's a it's a this is what this is what's going to come of it is now they have to make a decision that is impossible to make because they made a decision that should have been super because they did not make a decision that should have been super easy and i don't know what i i feel like something has to change because as a fan of the sport i don't want to have to go through this again like i don't i don't want to have to watch every race and go well who knows who who gives a shit about the first 40 laps if they're just going to change the rules in the last five like it's we know it's going to happen and and not only do we know it's going to happen, it happened on the most important race yeah. of the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And in the last two laps of the race. Like, <laughs> yeah, it feels like there was some very poor judgment. I think I also said this and I didn't think I don't think I articulated it as well on Hattrick. So I'll say it again here. I think the challenge, obviously, I think the decision making was very poor. I think that's true. But I also think that the bigger pieces I expect or I would hope that officials in any sport when facing a game deciding decision let's say a penalty shot in overtime or a you know holding call on uh, in, in in overtime or whatever it is they should be trained and taught and especially a race director should be should be told you are to always 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 side on the conservative option because you mm-hmm. may take criticism look they would have gotten criticism had that race finished under yellow but but people wouldn't have been challenging the outcome sure, yeah. because said, the fair, reality the is that he yeah. was in, like, was it kind of shitty? He crossed the line under caution. Sure. The reality is the guy led from lap one, right? Yeah. And 11, he led by 11 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> he never was in question. Right. And, and that's the piece of it. That's frustrating. Hamilton. He, he, I don't think I've said this yet. Hamilton had to fight through three blue flags to get to 
ahead of those back markers. All three mm-hmm. of them were fighting each other for position. So although they did move over, no one held him up dramatically. He fought off the dirty air behind them. He fought off the fact that that was closing a gap for Verstappen to catch up to him because he had to contend with in and out of their slipstreams, all three of them. And then Verstappen on those last couple laps would have had to also contend with the same things to catch Lewis. And he never had to compete with that. So already there, the competition part of it has been skewed by letting those back markers through. You can't tell me that, well, Max and him were always supposed to come down to the last lap. It wouldn't have never, it would never have come down to the last lap had, had Latifi not crashed. So again, there's no justification for the actions taken there. And when you listen to the other drivers, I think that tells you a lot too, because Stroll was pissed. Norris obviously yeah. was pissed. Norris had a chance to still catch up and make probably yeah. get into fourth. But Stroll was pissed. Ricardo, who's back there, is pissed. Everyone who was in behind Verstappen is like, well, what the hell? Why wasn't I allowed to get ahead? I'm fighting for position in the middle of yeah. the field too. And although I'm not fighting for a championship, which is clearly all they were thinking about and all they gave a shit about, I'm fighting for points that there's yeah. a lot of money to and from my team here, right? Like there are McLaren and, and Alpha Tauri and all these teams are still fighting in the, in the constructors championship. Like there's still stakes all the way down there. And a decision was made based on two people and only two people because those two people happen to be the drama on the day. And that's, what's unfortunate. All of it's unfortunate to be honest with you. But again, as Braden said, how do you feel now? Like I'm so over it. I'm just over it. I'm excited yeah. for, for March to come around at some point. I'm sure by that point I'll have moved past it, but it, it's just like, it feels so sad because when we talked a week ago, we had such excitement. Like I came out of that conversation with the three of us. So stoked for the finale. It was like, how could this be any better than Saudi Arabia was? How could this be any, how could you possibly match it? <laughs> and unfortunately it was just like, it was just, it was just such a disaster, such a disaster. Well, and, and in the last two laps again, right. The, what a, what an exciting race, all 50 laps or whatever it was. And then down into the last two and, and just all hell breaks loose. And go back and listen to the announcers too. They know they're like, well, either we're going to start, there's been a decision made before in, in a couple races where if you want to finish the race under a green flag or then you just don't let the unlapped cars go by. Yeah. Don't let them do it. But, and, and then the announcers go, but if they are going to let them pass, they have to wait a full lap per the rules and then the race is going to be over. So when the decision was reversed, the announcers, all the announcers were just like, what the, I, I don't understand what's going on here. What is happening? Verstappen wins. Oh my goodness, this is crazy. I'm like, no, wait, wait a minute. Forget Verstappen. Let's go back and talk about this. I don't care about who won the race anymore. Let's mm-hmm. let the fans, like, I want to hear, I want to hear from every single person involved in decision-making as to how it happened and how they can defend it. Because I don't think there's a way, but Jordan's right. It's protect the shield. Protect what you have to do for the brand. You cannot admit anything wrong here. You can't do it. It's just, it, it'll never happen in any sport. You'll have certain referees like Michael Massey can go back and do it. If he gets fired, he can go back and be like, I, I fucked this up. There was a, there was a kid in the, in major league baseball who threw a perfect game and Jordan, you brought this up and a perfect yeah. game means 20, 27 batters up 27 batters out. So nobody gets hit. Nobody gets walked. Nobody gets nothing. And the umpire missed the last call and called the guy safe the next day met the pitcher at home plate and was like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And told the whole stadium, I messed up. I apologize in tears, crying. Like I, this kid should have had a perfect game in the, in the record yeah. of like maybe 10 yeah. of them. And in the history of the 150 baseball years or yeah. seasons, it's so the only person that's going to do that could potentially be Massey because FIA is not going to do it. Verstappen's not going to do it. Uh, Horner is not going to do it. So everybody's left upset. And yeah. I don't know 
like I don't know Armando Galarraga. Armando Galarraga, yeah. Pitching for the Tigers. Joyce. He was cut. Jim Joyce he was, was cut the umpire at first base. Jim Joyce. Yeah. It's I a it's a frustrating live. one. It's a very frustrating situation when it happens. But again, that was a regular season game. Now, very special for that pitcher, not a world championship. Yeah. But Jordan also <laughs> said it when when Jordan and I were were talking on Sunday. I said to him, I was like, I'm not watching F1 anymore. It's over for me. I, this is, I'm so soured on this. And he just goes, well, let's talk in March. And I was like, you're right. I'm going to be back in, in March and I'm going to be so excited for the first race, but oh, right now it's not, yeah. it's not Christmas. It doesn't feel like Christmas right now because of this race. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, there are no more races for you to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Braden, as you said, like what happens, I'm, I, I hate to be the cynical one, but I don't think anything happens. I yeah. really don't. Yeah. I mean, they might tweak a word or two in some of the written. They're going to have to be clear about they that. Won't. I don't think they will. They'll just say we did exactly what the protocol states. He's allowed to make decisions. This is the decision that he made. You don't have to like it tough shit and the reality is that like all the this is the thing now that started to annoy me though is like all of the additional coverage that comes out so it's like whoa a lot of people close to lewis suggest he just may give up and never race again fuck off lewis yeah, Hamilton yeah, will yeah, race next happen. year yeah, come no. march he and toto will be over that well they won't be over this but they will have accepted what the reality oh, yeah. of this is the they revenge into fucking rocket fuel yeah, and they will be on the revenge path and guess what there is one thing that is better than scandal in sport and it's a fucking comeback people love a comeback now the guy who had nobody touching him and the guy who had no the team that had nobody touching them gets to be the underdog not underdog in yeah. the sense that they people really think mercedes isn't going to show up no but they're not they're not the champions or at least he's no. not the champion anymore and he gets to now come back and claim his throne so and it much. makes it so much bigger and more dramatic and that's what part of the sport is and that is why we will all get sucked back up into it oh so yeah. this is what you so you're saying this is a good thing now no 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 i'm not, <laughs> not narrative. Thing. i'm just I'm just pointing out the cynicism of the reality of how this, this thing always works Oh yeah, is that the FIA and formula one will, will edit their little Netflix show perfectly. People will move through a place of acceptance. They will get through the stages of grief. They will get to a place of acceptance and then they will move on to next season. We will have our first show of pit stop next year, fired up and excited to go on Hamilton's comeback tour. That's just what will happen. Unfortunately, we would love to see reform. We'd love to see change. We'd love to see accountability. I'm telling you right now, you're very unlikely to see any of it. That's yeah. all I'm saying. And That's with fine. that, uh, <laughs> let's <have a> break. <laughs> all right. Ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays from the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It is the season of giving, and what better gift to give than some fresh swag from the Ordinary Podcasting merch store? We have a brand new holiday collection, T-shirts and toques, all with special logo designs for the holiday season. You can head over to the Ordinary Podcasting merch store at OrdinaryPodcasting.com. Check it out. See what's there. This is a very special limited edition run of merchandise that will only be available until the end of 2021. So get over there, grab some fun swag, share it with your friends, promote your favorite podcasts, and let us know what you think on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay, let's tee up oh. this uh, 2022 <laughs> season uh, by by starting off. Uh, let's talk about each of these teams here briefly. I'm going to start with the uh, team that finished in 10th of the Constructors uh, Championship <laughs> this year. And that is the uh, famous United States team, Haas. 
Haas Ferrari, technically. Um, Mick Schumacher's rookie season, Mazepin's rookie season. I don't think Mazepin finished uh, <laughs> every um, like it seemed like he finished less than fifty percent of the races that he that he drove in. Um, I don't know if it's that low, but if, he definitely if he finished them. <laughs> if he finished them. What's the future of Haas? Is this their last season in F1? Like the one um, coming up um, ahead of us, you mean? <laughs> uh, up ahead, yeah. I think, well, I know that at the beginning of the year, they didn't upgrade their car at all. They saved, because of the new rules, they yeah. saved all their money and all their, their points for next year. So they were going into this knowing that they weren't going to have a car. They also went into it with a driver who, um, well, one driver with a legendary name that probably deserves to be in the sport, but they also brought in a driver in Mazepin who... I think it's unfair the way people talk about Mazepin because I don't think that he's a bad driver. I just don't think he's a driver that deserves to be in F1 or just isn't ready to be in F1. You see him out, like, you see him at press conferences crying, saying, like, I don't, I don't want to be bad. I gotta, I'm trying. I'm out there trying my best. I just think that he was put into position because of the money that his family brings to Haas for him to get a seat. And he just wasn't ready for that seat yet. So I don't want to like I don't want to jump on him for being a bad driver and a dangerous driver. I just don't think he's he's ready to be in that spot yet. He never got out of qualifying three. Schumacher was in qualifying two twice. I mean, it's it's something to look forward to. And and Mazepin, he finished fourth. He didn't even finish in the he didn't even finish in the top twenty drivers of the season in play in uh, like standings in, in driver standings. He is the twenty first. Um, Robert Kubica raced two twice and beat him. So. That's rough. That's There's only 20 drivers That's and rough. he's the 21st in driver standings. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I would agree with you. I don't think he's a bad driver. He's in a, not the greatest. He's, I mean, he's in the worst car that there is on the track. Uh, but mm-hmm. also the, you know, the whole thing with privilege and being, being put in a position here where uh, he comes with the funds to be in. Like when you talk about, how he is on this team it it doesn't bode well when you talk about the accessibility of the sport uh inclusion at the equity when it comes to the sport like that's that is a problem yeah but that's not uncommon right like i mean stroll is in the same place a lot of these I, guys I completely agree privilege. but that's a that's a yeah. that's a terrible system that this that this sport oh, yeah. has it's sports. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, nepotism well, yeah, is not uncommon, just... especially in these sports. No, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying <laughs> that it's not uncommon. Uh, the only thing I'll say, like, so when you look at Haas and you look at their two drivers, obviously, as, as, as Tyler says, they this was a throwaway season in many ways, but I think they also did treat it as a great opportunity to give both of their young drivers, you know, baptism by fire, as much opportunity yeah to try different setups, different things, learn the cars, learn parts of what they're planning to do with their next car. Their hope as many of the bottom teams is, is that this new car design gives them at least a, a bit more of a competitive uh, opportunity. It's hard because if you recall about four years ago, Haas was actually like a mid table team. They were actually competing a lot more uh, in a, they were in a lot more of the, of the races that they were competing in, they just were having sort of unlucky finishes. Even go back to the very first season of Drive to Survive, which I think was coming up on 2018 season. Maybe two, yeah, would have been 2018 season. Um, and and in that year, I mean, they were competing. I think for fourth in the constructors by the end of it, and they had two really good yep. drivers in Kevin Magnuson and, and and Roman Grosjean. And Roman Grosjean, you know had so much potential when he had first started driving he was on sort of the the tail tail half of his career by that point but yeah i think haas has really found 
the last couple of years to be very, very difficult. And, and I don't think it's an unfair question to say, are we watching a team near the end of their life? Possibly they may need to start looking for a new namesake and a new title, you know, um, ownership group, because I'm not sure that Gene Haas has the patience to sit around through this long of a rebuild. But I think next year we'll, we'll, we'll really be the, the, the deciding factor. And they have two good young drivers. Okay. Anyway, um, I know we want to keep these all short, so I, I won't belabor Haas because we got to get through. <laughs> we can't so. spend all our time on Haas. I hear that yeah, Por- yeah, yeah. Porsche is uh, interested in F1 team. So uh, yeah, well, they've been there before and they may be back in for sure. Uh, another famous car, Alfa Romeo. Racing Ferrari finished with 13 points this year. It's pretty good. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first on this one. I mean, Alfa Romeo, no, no, but Alfa Romeo had a couple storylines that I do think are important. And again, sure. I'll try to keep it close. It was the end of Kimi Raikkonen's career. Raikkonen, yeah. You know, he, he got 10 points for the team. But, you know, the truth is, again, this is a bottom team that's trying to figure out what's next. They're about to get a really, really good driver um, in, in Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Obviously, someone who who has had m- much more success than any driver that R- R- uh, Alfa Romeo's had in a, in a little while, and they're also mm-hmm. going to get a, a new young driver who will need to grow in experience. So again, I think Alfa Romeo's right where we had expected them to be, and I don't think we're going to see a huge change next year. But I don't know. What's the I mean, name of that driver? What's the What's the name of that Alfa Romeo driver? I can't think of his name now. The the new uh, kid coming up, Zhao, I believe it is. Oh yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Guanyao Zhao. Yeah, it'll be nice to see Bottas in that in that lead role because they're going to give him they're going to give him most of the attention. They're going to give him what he wants. He'll mm-hmm. actually get to be treated kind of in his twilight years like a star. Um, unfortunately, I think he'll be fighting for like ninth and tenth yeah. instead of yeah. instead of where he'd like to be at one and two. But that's still like that's the beauty. That's the best thing about F one is if you're a middle of the pack car, you're just expected to be a middle of the pack car, and you're happy about it. And your oh, yeah. fans are happy about it. The understanding of you not being able to win races is is one of the magnificent things about, um, like when when Haas doesn't finish last place, it's like pandemonium in the garage. It's like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We beat Williams. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Like that's that's why I love the the sport is everybody has their competitive um, placement and they're just trying to one up, just trying to get one ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So uh, you just mentioned it, Williams. Williams had a pretty good season this year. They had a lot of different narratives. The obviously losing uh, Sir Frank um, uh, and his passing this year was a was a big moment. But also uh, George Russell, like this was this was finally he he had finally gotten to the the place uh, in his in his um, trajectory to be leaping off to Mercedes next year. Um, but he f- had some really really great finishes. They finished with twenty three points this year. Yeah, it, it came late in, later in the year for them, uh, a little bit into August. I think both races in August, Hungary and Belgium, I want to say, they they got 10 points in each of those two races, which is huge. He was, you know, George Russell, I think, has so, I mean, we know what, what we're going to get an amazing year out of him next year at Mercedes. He's, he deserves to be in a really competitive car. He's an amazing driver. Um, but what he was able to do with Williams, a team that came under new management, new ownership, uh, moving away from the Williams family for the first time has a bright future. I think as a, as the team, again, they have a direction again, I would say after struggling for a few years and, and we saw glimpses of that, but, but, you know, they're also a team that's going to have to figure out what's next. Um, they're going to get a good driver in, in Albon next year um, to see what, 
they can do with them. But losing George Russell will hurt because that, you know, he was their star. Um, but Williams, I think, is in a transition too. And it was nice to see them after a couple of really bad years, at least be up in the points. Yeah, well, to finish finish seventh, yeah, ahead of Haas and Alvaro Romeo, that's yeah. huge for them. That's great. Um, and Russell, uh, unbelievable year, obviously, like storybook year, just the kid that everyone watched race and go, he needs a better car. He's going to be a star. Yeah. So it's good to see that. Unfortunately, they, the Canadian Latifi also ruined the sport for everybody because he <laughs> couldn't stay in the goddamn track <laughs> in the end of the season. Oh, yeah. he feels so bad, I'm sure. It's interesting. He, he's no Canadian one's talked boy. to him, eh? Like, where's his? He oh, wasn't at any of the press conferences. He must have gone into like witness protection. <laughs> oh, for sure. Can you imagine being him right now? Could you imagine oh, being him right now? So, where's that example? We won't do it right now, but there's got to be an example of that guy in, in other sports. Like, who's the, oh, who's the spoiler? The guy who caught the guy who he caught, caught the, the, ball baseball. the Cubs game. Yeah, the baseball right. game. Yeah. The guy who caught couldn't go to the, the game for 100 game. years or whatever. Yeah, banned from the stadium for life That's or something. Right. Had to go into witness protect witness protection. That's the guy that that was was he because Latifi wasn't in the race. Like I get he was racing, but he had nothing to do with the <laughs> outcome of everybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. So all he had to do was control the car. Yeah. And we would we wouldn't even nobody would be angry. It would be the greatest finish to a season in the world. Steve Bartman. Steve Bartman. That's the guy. Steve Bartman, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the guy. Uh, and a stupid green turtleneck and the, the headphones listening to the <laughs> just nice. like just All do right. what you're supposed to. Poor Latifi. I love Latifi. He's our Canadian guy. I don't I don't I don't like this next uh, segue you're about to make here to Aston Martin. Well, Canadian just boy, but stupid Latifi green is what I was gonna segue. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. that, was, that would have been good. That would have been good. This, uh, yeah, this Aston good, yeah. Martin team finishing seventy with seventy-seven points uh, this season. This was a dismal year for Aston Martin. This is not at all what they anticipated. Having had a, had a pretty successful year in their pink vehicle, um, mm-hmm. whether or not it was ripped off from Mercedes or not is another conversation from years yeah. ago. But what I mean, where does Aston Martin go from here? The, uh, Racing Point was a team that had been through a couple like hellish years organizationally. So this is the first year with Lance, with Lawrence Stroll and the Aston Martin brand and sort of like the new structure. You would expect some hiccups there. Um, new driver with Sebastian Vettel, obviously experienced driver, but new driver regardless. And I think they're still figuring it out. Um, and yeah, they definitely slip. But I think that you have to chalk some of that up to a couple of the other teams who have had bad years uh, recently, Ferrari and... Um, even McLaren, I get, they just, they're just so much better right now than where Aston Martin is. They just had a better year. And so I think that's part of it. Yeah. And uh, personally, I miss the pink car. I like that pink car. Yeah. Um, I, I, you're right. I don't like the new green they have now. I think they're trying to be too much like Mercedes when they uh, like, they have that kind of mint green sometimes on their car. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, Vettel finished second in Azerbaijan. So like yeah. he, he was at one point, it was like, okay, Vettel's back. Vettel's finally coming back. Seven top 10 finishes. Stroll had nine top 10 finishes, but only finished highest finish with six. It just, it seems like this team should have been above Alpha Tori, above Alpine. They should have been the ones fighting with McLaren. Um, at the beginning of the season, that was their goal, I believe, was we got to beat McLaren. That's our, those are competitive um, yeah. pool. And so it's been, it was, I'd say that one of the more, just, they're right up there with like Haas, we knew it was going to be bad. 
Um, the, Aston Martin might have had the most disappointing season for an overall team in I terms of what so. they wanted their goals to be. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, guys, I am not a big fan of Lance Stroll. I do not think this guy is I a safe driver. He's reckless. He flips his vehicle on many different occasions. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for this team to have, have that there. And, and he's been there for like three or four years now too. Like even before his dad was. In- yeah, but he's not going anywhere either. A lot of people are like, oh, Stroll, he's the Canadian guy. I'm like, no, 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 Latifi's Canadian. Stroll is Canadian, but he's like a villain in the Canadian side. Like, I all, I agree with you. I don't think he's a safe driver. I don't think he's a good driver. But like, I think he, I think he probably deserves to be in F1. I think he determined deserves to be on like maybe a Williams or he should have earned his keep before yeah. Yeah. Um, just jumping up into the seat that he got. That's the that's the biggest issue with me about Stroll is there's nothing there that's proven that he should be in the car. Um, and he's taking a spot away from someone like, like Oscar anyway. Piastri, who we'll talk about <laughs> yeah. when Alpine yeah. comes, that yeah. should be in a seat this next year. Um, but that's, that's the thing about Stroll is I, I, just, I don't know if he deserves it. He probably is a good enough driver to be in the F1 because you have to be good to not just crash all the time. We see that with Mazepin, who probably doesn't deserve there, to be there yet. So um, I don't all know. Right. It's tough all right. Enough, enough yeah. about Stroll. Enough about Stroll. <laughs> Finishing sixth. AlphaTauri, this is this is your team, Tyler. They, they yes, had it a, is a great season, like a really great un- season, unbelievable season. I think that Gasly obviously is the reason they had that season. Um, Sonata started coming around towards the end there. On his, like his highest finish was fourth, top top uh, ten six times. But Gasly podium in Azerbaijan, um, constantly in the top six in qualifying. Um, often four or five, nine top six finishes. His best finish was third. I think that he deserves to be in the conversation for driver of the year. Um, and I say that, like, I obviously I'm a Gasly fan. He's my guy. But just based on on what he did with that car and where that car was supposed to be, I think he put them, put them far above where they should be at this point. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like Red Bull needs, I don't think Red Bull's going to bring him up. So this might be Gasly's last year with this team. I think someone else might pick him up. I think that if Alpine picks him up, it could be Ocon and Gasly as a full French team. I think, I, but AlphaTauri, what an unbelievable year. They also have the best looking car on the track. Those white rims mm-hmm. are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I love them. I love them. That's awesome. Yeah, they look good. Well, I was going to ask if you if you thought Red Bull was going to take him back, but it, it sounds like you're thinking another team might might be able to snag him. Yeah, I think Horner and him don't just don't get along. Uh, that makes sense. Well, and I think right now the way that Sergio Perez fit into the the position of wingman for for Max all season, I think mm-hmm. definitely, I think definitely is what Red Bull wants and needs. And if we are looking at the beginning of a max run where they think that they can be competitive in the next couple of years with him too. And they can try to defend his title next year. And then maybe another one or, or, you know, win or lose next year. If it's the same kind of season we had here where it's a dog fight to the end, they're going to need that guy. They want that guy who has the experience of, of, of Sergio Perez, the competitiveness, but also like the team first mentality. Um, and I think that they just never found that with either Pierre or with, Albon, because again, those are young drivers who have careers to like make happen. Whereas Sergio Perez, I think has accepted the place he has in this sport. He knows he's a good driver. He has chances and will have chances to win. Um, And I think that like, 
I don't know quite how Red Bull functions. I know with Mercedes, the rule has always been, even in the years Lewis was winning, when you start the season, best driver takes the lead. And if, you know, if, if Bottas had been good enough to get out there and win a couple races at the beginning of the year and take it, you know, they would have been putting him in positions to win. He just never was. They did that with Nico Rosberg. And I think if Sergio Perez came out and had a really great season, then they try to run them as 1A and 1B. But the reality is Max is just a still so far ahead of whomever they put in that other car. Does They just need somebody who can support him. All right. Uh, Alpine. Alpine Renault. Well, what was once Renault now turned Alpine. Um they had a they had a good season in the standings, but every single race, like I just forgot they were there. <laughs> yeah, until the end. I, that's actually a, that's a great way to put it though, is because yeah. they were they were quietly good all year. Yeah. Um. And what? Well, Ocon won. Ocon Ocon's won a, a race great driver. He's a great He's driver. A great driver. And we saw the return um, of Alonso, Fernando Alonso. Yeah, who had some good and, battles and the, too, which was exciting to watch, right? Like, I was to say, Alonso's battles. best battle, Alonso's best battle was when Ocon was winning and Hamilton was catching up, yeah, and he was going right. to get Ocon. And Alonso said, "No, no, no, I'm going to stick my elbows out here, and I'm going to be the best wingman driver I can be for that kid up there." And yeah, he's exactly. he is thirty percent, forty percent the reason why Ocon won that race in Hungary. And like, what a teammate to have at that point. And and Alonso also made his podium return this year as well in Qatar. So. Consistently in the points, best finish three. I mean, what it, it was a great year for Alpine. Very good year. Yeah. It didn't yeah. seem to start off that way. Like it did. No, it took uh, them a little while. But again, shaky, like with Aston coming Martin, off of Renault. Yeah, with, with, like with Aston Martin. I think when these teams restructure and they go under either new management or sort of new organizations, it always takes a little while to figure yeah. out, right? It's yeah. it, it's such a weird sport that way, where you can have an entire team's infrastructure and entire team's sort of personnel stay the same but thou the management structure the ownership structure sort of shifts and as they do that i mean you'd expect that there'd be some change the reality is that luckily for them you know renault was still a competitive you know car prior they had a bad season in 2020 but before that they were competing for third in 2019 and stuff so like they the the infrastructure around that organization has been good and that team has been good for a while so i I think Mm -hmm. it was uh, inevitable that they were going to at least compete. And they, and I think they surprised a lot of people. And I think they may do that again next year with the opportunity to be even, you know, better at following. They've got two amazing drivers, the young and the old <laughs> three, they've got three. So I, I just want to make a quick oh, yeah, point right. about Alpine is they, they're the ones that signed Oscar Piastri. I don't know if I'm saying the last name, right. But, Piastri, um, right. Piastri is they are the ones that signed him as a reserve driver. This kid just won the F3 championship two years ago, jumped up to F2, won that championship. Yeah. He's only 18 years old. He's he is going to be like I've heard him in some articles be like, like if you have to say the next Verstappen, the next Hamilton, this kid is that. And I hope that he gets a chance to race with somebody for just one race this year. I know it's hard with Alpine, but um, but uh, man, I can't wait. I'm so excited for that kid to get never hard in the the day and age of 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 COVID and sport. Like anything's possible. That one that one race that. George Russell had with uh, Mercedes was pretty, pretty exciting last year. Uh, okay. Absolutely. This is, this is my team. McLaren finished fourth in constructor oh. standings. A huge oh, really? Norris fan. I think Norris, ne- I mean, next to Lewis, you can't really say Lewis or Max in this, uh, but I think Norris is, is like the one of the best racers in this, in this. Uh, he is yeah. so good on the track, but yeah, no, I'm a big, I'm a big Ricardo fan too. I think he's hilarious on and off the track. 
they finished uh, they finished fourth, and I really thought they were going to be able to to finish third, but they just had some a couple races where Ferrari got a yeah Ferrari came finished... on late. You know what I mean? No, McLaren came out of the gates really hot. They had a great start to the year. If you remember, at one point Norris was the only driver. Uh, it was the last driver to have still not uh, finished a race without points. At one point, he had, he he was in the points in every race. I think for the first ten races or something. Even when Lewis and Max had races, they weren't finishing. Norris has just been steady, steady, steady. And then I think slowly Ferrari's car just caught up to them. And then they had they just had a better second half of the year it felt like and mclaren i think started to move towards next year's car uh and they sort of accepted that this that this experiment was done but it's nice to see the continued as you say the continued growth and progression of of lando norris is really exciting he is one of those young drivers who's getting the kind of experience that is going to make him a competitor for a championship down the road, the same way Max did in his early years, in the sense that he was leading races that he would end up losing. He was trailing in races and got opportunities to overtake and got opportunities to compete for podiums that, you know, those are the valuable lessons that every driver kind of picks up along the way. I mean, even going back and looking at a, a young Lewis Hamilton or a young uh, Sebastian Vettel, those guys had to struggle for a couple of years to figure out how this sport was going to sort of fit for them. And then when it clicks, sometimes it just clicks. This year it clicked for Max Verstappen. He put all the pieces together as a driver, right? For, as a, for him, uh, Lando, I think is one or two years away from doing that. The question is, can McLaren get the car to where they need it to be for him yeah. to be able to be in a position to compete? And is there, are they, are they ever going to be good enough right now to get up into that top two? I don't know. But for Lando, great, great development year. Yeah. Lando, Lando was unbelievable this year. And both like McLaren, like they finished, they had a race where they finished one, two, Ricardo one, Norris two, Norris was leading the Russian Grand Prix until he decided to not pit and put weather tires on wet tires or intermediate tires. Hamilton pitted, put the intermediate tires on cost him the the race in the few final laps but lando had lando norris had four podiums this year yeah, yeah. that's huge that's unbelievable yeah it's and he was a oh man that kid and not only i will say this one thing about mclaren is their team has the most uh personality out of their drivers the most energy the most smiles those two drivers in that mclaren team look like they have the most fun every single weekend and that's like, that's something the kids are gonna look up to and go, man, these guys are just out there having fun. And I, I'm yeah. a big fan of Lando Norris too. I think, I think that kid is, he can fly baby. Oh yeah. It's exciting. So finishing above him, Ferrari, another team though, where I'm like, yeah, they did really, really well, but I didn't, I didn't watch them much. I didn't see them much. I didn't honestly didn't care much, but uh, <laughs> Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, great driver. Both of them great drivers, but I don't know if this tandem works necessarily. I don't know who your number one is here. Is there ever that's a tandem a, that works a, for Charles Leclerc? That's a great point, though. I don't know who number – every other team you can choose who is oh, yeah. number one and who is number two. This and Ferrari, it might be a good thing because all they're trying to do right now is finish third, and they did that, and they did it so quietly, almost boring-like. But they, they had some moments like Leclerc – was going to be on pole in Monaco until he spun his car out in the last uh, qualifying lap and had to switch his drive engine or something. I think his drive shaft oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, his power unit. He started to take a penalty to start the race. Like these guys had moments. Signs signs this year had the longest active point streak of the season, um, but like no one ever talked about them. 
They're, mm. they're just, it was so quiet of a season for Ferrari. Like signs also had four podiums. He had it's finished highest finish was second. Leclerc finished second in one race, but um, Leclerc actually had one podium this year, which was surprising, but signs had four and like just, it, it was almost like, I, I'm a big fan of Ferrari as well. I'd go AlphaTauri and then Ferrari would be my number two probably um, because I was such a huge fan of Leclerc and signs before they came to Ferrari. And when they came to Ferrari, it's kind of like, oh, that's a really cool um, like team. But, but you're right. It, they're not very exciting, are they? Yeah, no, I, I yeah, no, <laughs> not for me. No, and definitely not. I mean, I think both of them are, are maybe more so Carlos Sainz, uh, you know, friendly guys. Charles Leclerc just seems kind of like a bit of a dink. Like he seems like he's a bit too uh, entitled. Like he, he, I mean, maybe that's just the thing with race car drivers. They all think that they should be first. There's something with Charles Leclerc where I'm like, I'm not sure, man. I feel like you're, you're you're just a bit ahead of where you're actually at or where you you know you think you're a bit ahead of where you're actually at yeah i, I would mean, like just out of out of debate i would disagree with that statement wholly but because I, I do like leclerc but i do think that it's every driver in the in there has um that like like you can see it in ricardo sometimes too where it's just like this guy oh, yeah. is just a goofball out here yeah um i just think i think i think this is if we go back and talk about that first season that these teams have i think leclerc and signs this was their first year together was it not yes uh, yeah. yes. Vettel yeah, race yeah, was there last year yeah yeah so i think this is kind of that with ferrari is this is the first year they, maybe those two guys are friends and they're like i don't want to push myself into 1a because my buddy is in 1b yeah. so but maybe it just starts ramping up maybe after this first year the gloves come off and these guys start racing each other as well as they do everybody else out there I'll be down for well, that. we'll see though, because like, I think Ferrari's in this really weird place where like, if this, if this was a football team or a hockey team, you'd call them in like the, the, they're still in a rebuild. Um, because if you think back, like 2019 was the first year, I think in like their entire history that they failed to win a race until like August or something at that point, they did not win a race this year as a team. No. Um, and, and, and last year, 2020, I believe was like their worst performance in, in the history of Ferrari, as far as the points they collected and the place they ended up, they finished, I think sixth last year in 2020. So for them to bounce back in one year to being able to be third again, was huge. Obviously, you know, Charles Leclerc is their star. He's been with them now for what, three years. And Carlos Sainz comes in as an already proven asset. So next year, I think really is the question where can Ferrari reestablish themselves as a competitive constructor chasing team as they have been through their entire history and where they feel they belong. Um, they're the, you know, they are the marquee prestige team of the history of Formula One. Mercedes, obviously in the hybrid era has become the prestige team, but really this, this, you know, it's set up in a way that if they're taking gradual steps towards that quote unquote rebuild, depending on how this new car system works, they should be taking that next step next year. And so to see them get third, and as you guys said, kind of, kind of under the radar, they're moving in the right direction. And, and if you're a Ferrari fan, obviously you got to be happy with the result of it. So what would you say would be a successful 2022 for Ferrari? Cause they're not, it's going to be Mercedes and Red Bull again next year. 
Um, well, Do I we know, know the Red that? Bull engine. Nobody knows. Do we more. know that? Yeah, that's what no, I would say. Well, that the Red Bull engine is the wild card, and that is a massive wild card. I think we'll get to that when we talk about Red yeah. Bull. But what what does Ferrari have to do in 2022 to be that next step? Like win one race, win two races, more podiums. What what would I be the goal well, for that team? Um, yeah, they definitely need to be winning races. They need to be winning races. Yeah. They expect that Charles Leclerc should be competing for, for, for the top step of the podium. They expect that. I think they now expect Car- Carlos Sainz should be in the same place. If they are able to get their, com- their car to the same competitive place, then they would expect. I mean, in this dream scenario as a team, I'm sure they're looking at this saying this should be a three-team race. I think mm-hmm. F1 is hoping that this can be a three or four team race. That's their goal with the, the structural aerodynamic changes that they've made to it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All of the changes they're making is to try to make this more competitive. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I think you're right. Tyler does the, is the wild card Red Bulls engine? Maybe. I think the fact that we have the largest or the most sort of dramatic change in actual car design since the beginning of the hybrid era, I think is another thing. You know, we're losing the running boards. We're losing the structure. We're going to a bigger tire. We're going to a whole new front and rear wing structure. I think there's a lot of wild cards that are going to come down to whether or not these teams adapt quickly enough to what this car's needs are in terms of the, the things they do. And we don't know. It's very possible that we have a really shitty year next year with a whole bunch of teams falling off. I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of these teams, including Ferrari, have spent a lot of time this year already looking into next year's car and preparing themselves. Ferrari knew that they were in a fight with McLaren, but I think they were surprised as much as anybody that they had a successful a second half of the season as they did. Honestly, I don't think that they expected McLaren to fall off. Um, so no, what, what, what was your question? What do I expect? Or what did they, what would what, they expect? What do they, they expect? need? Yeah. 2022. What would be a successful, that next step that you yeah. talked about? They want what, to be winning that races. Next step be? They want Correct. to be winning races. They want to be taking points yeah. off of Lewis and Max. That's right. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And they want, they want to be taking the fight to McLaren as opposed to chasing McLaren. They want to expect that, that they are in third place and dominating third place, fighting for second, fighting for first. That's what they would expect, I think. We'll see. Yeah. I think they're positioned to do it, honestly. I think Ferrari's back. I think we should be expecting uh, in the next couple of years to, to definitely be seeing Charles Leclerc say, Hey, I'm after a world championship here. I don't know if it's next year or a year from now, but, and I don't know if it's until Lewis is gone. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, but I think that's the expectation that this is going to be a, you know, Max and, and Charles could very well be the two guys we're talking about going into a final race in the next couple of years, head to head. Well, I don't know. I, I don't, so long as you put Norris in that. <laughs> well, you can, you can, you can put Norris in it, but I, I think that Leclerc could be a wild card in the next couple of years as well. I think Leclerc has the talent to be yeah. the top the top driver at the end of the year's standings. Um, and I, as long as Ferrari gives him that car, I think he can do yeah. it. And and it's just that that potential is there. It, it, it yeah. is there. But you're not wrong. Norris, Norris is coming quick. Norris is coming for Leclerc quick. There's so many drivers here that could make the next couple of years exciting. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. If only they just stuck to the rules. <laughs> so speaking of rules uh red bull racing honda who will no longer be honda next year finishing second in the constructor standings i'm also going to say let's just talk one and two here so mercedes finishing first uh can't really call this a consolation prize can you yeah it is money wise <laughs> i mean they still win the championship eight <laughs> years in a row it still matters i mean it matters in a lower sense because it isn't the prestige of the athlete winning but i mean i'm you can't tell me that the guys who sit in the big offices and you know 
wherever the hell they're headquartered in, Ber in, in Berlin, probably. I don't know where they're headquartered in Germany, but the reality is somebody out there is saying, yeah, we're, we're eight-time championships, uh, eight-time champions in a row. That still matters, and it does matter. To the history of the sport, when we look back, we will continue to talk about the dominance of Mercedes. Is it unfortunate yes. they couldn't go both of them? Yes, it is. It, it was wrong. They should have, in all, by all means. Lewis should be our champion. He isn't. Mercedes deserved to win this championship. They dominated the constructors part of it. Um, although this is the, definitely the first year that they had a, a, a true competitor um, nipping at their heels because uh, it really came down to Bottas and Perez for who was going to give the constructors championship to their team. Yeah. And, and it's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing with Red Bull because Verstappen probably, as much as I hate to say it, probably is the driver of the year, even though he had the car. Um, to, to do what he did every single race to Hamilton is pretty incredible. Oh yeah. Um, and that's the, that's the crappy thing with the way he won it is because he deserved to win it. He deserved to win it just as much as Lewis deserved to win it until just he didn't like deserve that. to win it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but Red Bull's future, like I think Perez with Verstappen is the perfect partner. I, I couldn't think because Perez has, Perez wants to win. He won one race this year in Azerbaijan. He's got five podiums. He has a career that he's proud of. And sure, I bet that a little bit further into the next season, the season after that, he's going to want to win more races. But right now, for what he did, it, this is something that also doesn't get talked about. For what Perez did to Lewis Hamilton in that last race to hold Hamilton up was beautiful. That driving that he did to keep uh, Hamilton at bay was some of the best driving we've seen all year. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. But the one thing I'll say about Red Bull is I don't like, it's such a movie like quote thing to go, Oh, well, Honda's leaving. And then just kind of like leave three beats and then go, I guess we'll build our own engine. Like how egotistical is that? That's like a Batman thing to say is like, well, I guess we'll just build it. Won't we like, why not go and get an engine from somebody else? Um, well, that's already but, kind of there. They want others for. to come and get an engine from them. Okay. But well, they do. That's definitely the business yeah. part of it, but, but let's just pump the tires on that for a second. So you're right, uh -huh. Tyler, they are building their own power unit, but, but they have entered a three-year deal with Honda to consult and design the yes. engine. <laughs> so it's yeah, still we're not going to call it Honda. No, it's not use a it. Honda engine, but it is a Honda inspired engine um and until the new power units for the sport are introduced i believe in 2025 so that's the next there's like you know every couple of years we have these these sort of full structural changes in terms of how the technology works so as we talked about the actual like aerodynamic and design of the car the biggest change we've had in about a decade is coming this year you're going to see these cars they look completely different structurally um, but the power units inside them are pretty much the same. The, the Mercedes engine that was in the Mercedes this year with some minor changes is going in that car. There's a few things that have to be different for the new design of the physical car, but for the most part, it's the same hybrid engine, give or take we've seen for the last 10 years, you know, it, it constantly improves. Okay. But with, I Red didn't, Bull, I didn't know that, uh, that I didn't know that three-year deal. Sorry to cut you off real quick. I didn't know that three-year deal. I thought that after, at the beginning of the next season, that yeah. Honda had to wipe their hands clean from it. But they have but to sorry, wipe their names so off of it. It will be a Red Bull yeah. branded engine. It will just be with a lot of, let's say like former Honda engineers. And I mean, former as in until 
last Sunday, they worked for Honda. Now they work for Red Bull uh, engineers who are designing this. And it'll be very, I mean, if you were to take it apart, it's going to look a lot like a Honda engine. Let's just put it that way. Um, They're using their technology to to develop their own engine. When they get to the new power units in 2025, I think that's the real step towards Red Bull stepping forward and saying, this is our our engine um, that we have built. But in the next three years, it's kind of that transition towards that full time. So Does Alpatori is Alpatori using that same engine? Yes. The same Red yes. Bull. Okay. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The entire Red Bull brand will. Yeah. Um, oh, no. The same way oh, again. No. There's Absolutely. only four power <laughs> units, right? There's only four power right. units right now in the yeah. sport, right? So there's the Ferrari, Mercedes, the the um, Renault, and and what was Honda, and now will be Red Bull. So. Right. Okay, gents. Any final thoughts on what to expect for next season? Well, let's just touch on Mercedes for one second. No, just formally. let's not. I just want to say this. I think what's hard, yes. we talked about it at the beginning, but I do think it's it's part of it. It's hard to lose, okay? Yeah. It's hard to lose under normal circumstances. It's much harder to lose when you, you feel, I think rightfully, that something was unjustly taken from you, right? There's been two different parts of that. And I think both of them are fair. I don't think, I'm not going to criticize either side of it. I think the way that Toto Wolf and the formal Mercedes brand has responded to this is fair. I think that they feel like they have been, um, if not cheated, done a great uh, disservice and a great injustice has occurred. And I think that they have every right to respond the way they have, which is, you know, they lawyered up, they went and appealed, they did everything that I think Red Bull would have done under the exact same circumstances. And I think that Christian Horner, frankly, is a hypocrite for suggesting that this seemed desperate. I'm sorry, Christian, you've whined and complained about every fucking part of that Mercedes car that you couldn't figure out for the last decade. So stop, stop with that. But I want to say, that when you are the New York Yankees or you are the LA Lakers or you are the, the big bad, you know, whether it's the Patriots or the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. whatever organization you want to say, when you are that guy that everybody wants to take and take down and see fail, you know, you, you get under that microscope and everybody, Oh, you're poor losers. Oh, you're whatever it is. Lewis Hamilton for all the criticism he gets for all of the, the, I think disrespect he often gets um, for, wearing his heart on his sleeve often he's emotional often he is a you know abrasive in some of the ways he communicates but he is true to what he believes in he communicates about what he believes in and the dignity and the decency with which he displayed i think right after that race immediately congratulating max verstappen his father going and congratulating max verstappen and his father only days after max verstappen's father said horrible things about lewis hamilton yeah in in the in the Dutch press, the the class is a masterclass in like in decency, in sportsmanship, and in respect. He yeah. knew that the team was going to have to challenge it. He, I'm sure, was furious, angry beyond belief. I think also in disbelief and probably in shock, to be completely honest. But I think that there, I think that to me is the sign of a true champion. That is the guy who says, I don't I don't like how this went down. I don't feel comfortable with how this went down, but I'm not going to sell compote. I will be the face of Mercedes in this moment so that the guys in the back can go and do the stuff they have to take care of, get the lawyers up, do whatever they have to do. I'm going to, I'm going to take the high road here. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I just wanted to say that. He's a knight now. I think he's a knight. I, he, I think he's also, I think he is also the guy that said over the last two days and eventually I think it was last night and earlier this morning, he's the guy that told Mercedes 
I do not want to look like a poor loser. Let's yeah. just drop this drop and this. get them next year. Let's just do what we do and win next year because I have the talent to do it. We have the car to do it. Let's just, instead of, instead of winning 10 races, let's go out and win or nine races or whatever it was. Let's go out and win 12. Let's yeah. go out and do what we do best, which is race cars and be the best, best F1 team in the world. So let's just like, this is not going to get us anywhere. It, it, which I disagree with. I think it could have maybe if it really people got into it, but I eventually probably not. I don't know if I had won it wrong, but to just be like, we're going to get them next year. Let's not worry about it. That is, that is, you're right, Jordan. That's leadership. And that is also knowing that it's not over. You can win again. You will get that eighth title next year. And if it's not next year, it's the year after that. Mm -hmm. So it's, and it, I mean, it is, a, they still were the constructors. Botas had a disappointing season. If we're going to throw yeah. his name in this, uh, in this topic, but that's to, yeah, it's Lewis Hamilton is still this sports champion um, in terms of the last decade. So and Verstappen's gonna... won one. Yeah. So let's see what happens next year. And Tyler, what's he going to do next year? I think, I think Jordan hit in the spot. Everybody loves an underdog story. And you have just made the greatest driver in the history of F1, the underdog. And if you aren't scared about that, then you don't understand the scenario mm -hmm. because he's angry. Whatever Toto said today about him walking away from the sport, that's bullshit. Toto is being Toto right now. He's not talking to Hamilton. Hamilton is in the fucking, like, the, the, like whatever he does to train. He's in the gym right now preparing for next year. And if you aren't scared of that, then I, you don't understand what is happening because he is going to come out next year and he is going to dominate yeah. F1. Yeah, I, I mean, so. if he's he's this sports Tom Brady, right? And you don't bet against that. Yeah. You just don't. You don't Does bet Tom Brady win every Super Bowl he went to? No, go ask Eli Manning about that. But, yeah. but Tom Brady also then picked up the pieces and went, all right, let's go back and do it again. We're going to run it back. And again, and, the and is, again, and again. And, that's again. Right. and look, he hadn't had this yet. He hadn't had some guy that's come right. up and try to take something from him. That's going to talk about gonna... Max or Michael Massey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but that's the thing that we, we haven't seen this Lewis yet. We haven't yeah. seen what Lewis is capable of this year. My uh, Tyler's right that, that, you know, Lewis, I think recognizes what hills he is willing to die on and knows when the battle is lost and knows when to pick up the pieces and say, let's go back to work. He does that a lot. We've seen that throughout mm -hmm. the season when Nate looked like Max was running away from it. I don't know if you remember some of those radio calls at the end of races, but he constantly was reminding the engineers, guys, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. We've done this before. We've been here before. And that is the other thing that now, if I'm a Red Bull fan or if I'm a Max Verstappen fan, I'm going to, I'm just going to temper my excitement for a moment. Enjoy the celebration, whatever you can do, whatever you want. Here's the reality. When you have a champion, um, a, like a multi-time champion who has something taken from him, that's not something you want to be. Max Verstappen no. has never defended a championship. He doesn't know what's no. coming for him now. Right. He's the guy, look, he's going to put the number one on his car. You want to talk about cocky. We haven't seen that in formula one in a while. When, the who's right the last driver to do that? I don't know. Who's the last driver to do that? It's before my time in the sport because Lewis has never done it. Lewis has always taken the road of I'm going to keep the 44 on my car. But you have the right as the champion to put number one on your car. Vettel. There you go. So Sebastian it's Vettel a Red Bull it. thing, isn't it? It's a Red Bull thing. Yeah. That sounds like Christian Horner, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. The, it's, that's 100% Christian Horner doing that. 
And the thing, though, I will say the one thing that scares me about Max, if I have to like defend yeah, yeah, the yeah, other yeah. side, yeah. is I think that he kind of he's he's the Kobe Bryant to to Lewis being Michael Jordan. Like yeah. like when someone said to Kobe Bryant, like don't look the first game he played against uh, Michael Jordan, his teammate said, "Don't look him in the eyes." And Kobe said, why not? I don't think you understand. I'm the same animal. I'm the yeah. same beast. So, like, don't tell me not to do that because I'm built from the same cloth yeah. that he's built from. So, in, if I, I don't want to defend Verstappen because I don't like him, but I do believe that he could be that same type of person that Lewis Hamilton is. I just know that Lewis Hamilton has got eight years of proving it. Yeah. yeah. And he's or ten sir, years of proving, whatever. He's a long Sir Goat. Sir Goat. Oh. Well, and he's, and, and again, now he's got something to earn back, right? Yeah. This is Tiger Woods. This is Tiger Woods coming back too. Like we don't never, ever, ever, How many ever, analogies ever. That's my point. This is what sports <laughs> yeah. does. This is what I was trying to say earlier. This is exactly what sports wants. This is exactly yeah. what it wants. This is what everyone who ever cheers for anybody want. You want that comeback. And I'm telling you right now, guys, we'll be here this time next December having the same kind of conversations because it's going to be just well, as I dramatic hope, next year. I hope we're not talking about the final. So, but I'm still getting the sense here, Jordan, that you are glad that this has happened this way. No, so that- I am not glad it happened this way, <laughs> but I am coming to some level of acceptance. Okay, great. Well, yeah, like I, before all week, I was like, I'm not watching F1 anymore. I'm done with it. I don't want to deal with the off season. And now that we've had this conversation and we've kind of all like brought up next year, I'm kind of like, man, like I can't wait for Lewis to come back. Like, when is that race? When is that yeah. first race? Because I want now, I was not a Lewis Hamilton fan, but now I want to see that comeback. You're right. I want to see him come back and and stick it to this kid who's way too cocky of a driver to begin with. That's right. Well, you and I, Tyler, were together watching Tiger Woods walk up 18 to win the Masters a few years ago. What a moment. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. The truth here is that if Lewis Hamilton can pull this off, it'll be even sweeter than it would have been this year. Honest to God. Yeah. Because it will feel like he's gone back and had to really earn something. And I think that that's the opportunity he now gets to have. And that just increases the legend of Lewis Hamilton, right? He's already the greatest. Yeah. I think as far as I'm concerned, he's already the greatest, right? It's now just a question of, can you go and earn it one more time? And it will be even sweeter. I think, uh, I think this has been great group therapy. <laughs> yeah i think so too hopefully think, for the yeah, listeners if we're sports if we're doing sports analogies i don't even know if the other listeners listen to like or watch other sports but all the greats have had the comeback story yeah Tiger true. woods comeback story michael jordan left the sport comeback story um tom brady lost the giants twice in the super bowl comeback story leaves the patriots yeah, goes and wins another in comeback Bay. story yeah all the like it's always these guys finding the moments that actually defines their careers. And for yeah. Lewis Hamilton, if he wins next year, that is a defining moment in, in what is an argument that'll settle the best driver to ever, to ever race. There you go. Well, thanks guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and, and uh, thanks everybody for listening to the Pit Stop podcast this season. We will be back revved up and ready for uh, the first race this season in Bahrain, March 18th. You can see our first, uh, first cars on the track for uh for qualifying or maybe that's their practice qualifying on the 19th and the race on the 20th um thanks everybody thanks tyler thanks jordan thank you guys thank you guys always a pleasure and we'll see you next season the pit stop podcast is presented by hattrick sports 
and is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. The show is produced by Jordan and Braden Dollar Coltman each week, but mainly Jordan. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 Territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.